welcome to This Week in Sports. Here's your host, The Pony. Hello and welcome, everyone. It is Friday, May 24th, 2019. I want to start off by thanking everyone for tuning in on this Memorial Day weekend to listen to The Pody and This Week in Sports. Special announcement to make. It is officially the one-year mark of This Week in Sports. This is episode 52. I have made it to the year mark, and I just want to give a glorious shout-out to all of those that have tuned in each and every week, my listeners, my fans, everyone out there. There may not be too many of you, but they're out there, and that those are the people that I do it for, so I just want to give you guys a huge shout-out, and I want to um, I want to read a couple of feedbacks I got. Um, on the internet, one from Twitter, and I meant to read this last week because it came up last week um, on Twitter, and I just want to give this person a shout out. So this would be at Deacon underscore Phoenix on Twitter, and he said, Pody, glad to say I have finally finished catching up on all your podcasts, brother. You're almost to the one-year mark, my guy. Keep those glorious joints coming. So thank you, Deacon Phoenix, and yes, We are at the one-year mark officially now. So then there was one more that I'd like to share from... This one was a feedback that I got on the podcast app, the Apple podcast app, and this one is pretty cool. This comes in from uh, someone on there that says, I'd like to thank you for addressing the suicide epidemic in episode three. I started from the first episode, and as a truck driver, I got a lot of time to catch up. And as a man from San Antonio, I definitely appreciated you your comments about Kawhi Leonard in episode four. You got yourself a regular listener, boss. Special thanks to Robert Frank for putting me on Pody's podcast. Yes, I'd also like to thank Rob for helping me start off this podcast for all the listeners that come over from the Glorious House of Gains. And I do want to apologize. We did not have an episode on Wednesday. Um Hopefully, we'll be back next Wednesday. Not too sure there, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And um, I know you guys are itching for us to come back, but yeah. Okay, so then uh, we've got another one there. We've got another one here that says, Great podcast. Love the East Coast bias. Keep up the great work. Let's get it. Let's go. Okay, the East Coast bias thing. I don't have an East Coast bias, all right? There's a couple East Coast teams like the Mets and the Giants and the Knicks, which I love to hate on, and I'm a Yankees and Jets fan, but really... I try to encompass all things sports. Really, I'm trying to talk about and to break down the major big headlines surrounding the sports world each and every week. So whether that's East Coast teams, then I'll cover them. If not, then I won't. Like right now, we've got a lot going on in the NBA. We've got Toronto and Milwaukee locked in a fight for a berth in the NBA Finals. If you want to call that East Coast bias, okay, those just happen to be the teams that are there. I don't necessarily like either or either one of those teams, but I just report on the news and I try to keep it keep it clean and keep it objective. Granted, when it comes to my Jets, my Yankees and my Nets, okay, I'm going to there's going to be biases there. But 
that's fine. That's his opinion. He still gave me five stars. The other thing I wanted to say is Anchor, which is the application, website, whatever you want to call it, that I use to produce this podcast. It's really great because they just opened up one of their amazing features, and that is uh, leaving a voice message. So before, you used to only be able to leave a voice message by, you would have to download the app, sign up, you'd have to find my podcast, and then you'd have to leave me a message, a question, a comment, something like I just read, you know, just positive feedback, whatever it might be, and then I would be able to play it on the episode. Well, now they've opened it up, so if you go to my show notes in the description of each episode, whatever app you're using, it will come up with a link, and all you have to do is click that link. And let me take a look now because when I tried it on the last episode, it didn't necessarily work. So there's a link here. So enjoy the show. This podcast uh, becoming, yeah, Anchor Voice Messages. And if you click that, I believe, no, uh, where is it? Um, shoot, it was there. Uh, anyway, there was an option, there should be an option now where you can leave a voice message without downloading the app right through Safari or whatever web browser you're using just by clicking that link. I found last time when that was the case, I clicked the link through the podcast's app and it only opened up. It didn't open in Safari. It opened still through the podcast app and it didn't allow me. So you'd have to go over to, um, you'd have to hit the button at the bottom right to choose Safari and have the link actually open up in the web browser so that you could leave that. Um, I'm having some difficulty finding it myself right now, but in any case, that should still be an option. Um, if it's not, let me know and I'll see what, what's going on there with that. But anyway, let's finally get into the show. I'm excited. It's the one year mark, one year anniversary. I can't believe I've kept it up this long. Fun fact about podcasts, most only last about seven episodes and it really shows you the true dedication that I bring each and every week that I've lasted 52 strong episodes. Whether I have 10 people listening or 10,000, it doesn't matter. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy giving you guys the, the, the sports news and the breakdown because let's face it, a lot of people are busy and they don't have a chance to watch every single game or keep up to know that, oh, these two teams are in the NHL, fi- you know, the Stanley Cup Finals. We've got this team in the NBA uh, that just made the finals, or these two teams locked in a deadlock, or the fact that maybe the Yankees are in first place, or they're chasing the Rays, or how bad the Mets are doing, or how good the Mets have been doing over this past week, or whatever the case may be. You know, there's so much that goes on in sports. There's so many different sports that it's so difficult to keep up. And if you aren't a big fan of one sport, but maybe another, I try to cover the major ones and the major headlines. Like I'm not a big hockey guy, but I've been trying to cover hockey as much as possible because we're in the playoffs now and we're down to the Stanley Cup finals. So I will try to bring a little bit more of that to the table, just different things like that. So without further ado, let's dive right in, and we're going to start with the NBA because that is the biggest sport in the world right now. We're very, very close. We're on the verge and on the brink of the NBA Finals. One team is already there, but we have to start with Tyreek Evans, who has been suspended now for two years. Um, I was going to report this Friday, but I actually missed this one and I forgot, but he 
was dismissed from the NBA for violating the anti-drug program. So what that means is he's, he will be eligible to apply for reinstatement in two years. And if you're wondering who's Tyreek Evans, maybe you don't follow the NBA that closely, but you might have heard his name. Tyreek Evans is a 29-year-old. He was about to be a free agent. So, I mean, two years will be 31 if he stays in shape it's going to be hard. It's still going to be hard for him to make a comeback with all the baggage he's got. And so he played previously. He just finished up his season with the Indiana Pacers. He's not a bad, he's not a bad player whatsoever, but, um, I've got one thing to say to Tyreek Evans. All right. Stay off the weed. Not 100% sure if that is what this suspension looms from, but wouldn't be too surprised, would we? Okay, so next up, let's talk about the Timberwolves for a second. The Timberwolves have officially hired their newest head coach, and they went through a lengthy process. They interviewed a bunch of candidates. Uh, President Gerson Rosas, he met with many candidates actually at the draft combine, but their interim head coach, Ryan Saunders, is the name that kept coming up and kept coming back to Rosas as the man that they should hire. So they knew about a month ago that they wanted him and they they made it official earlier this week. And if you've heard that name before, it's because Ryan Saunders is the son of Flip Saunders, which I'll get to in a second, but he was the interim head coach since about since January when he was hired to replace Tom Thib- Thibodeau, who was fired after a 19 and 21 start to the season. The whole Jimmy Butler saga, they ended up trading him. So, yes, he is the son of Flip Saunders, who is a former head coach in the National Basketball Association. Flip actually coached the Timberwolves on two separate occasions. So from 95 to 2005, he was the Timberwolves head coach. Then he left to take over the Detroit Pistons for Larry Brown. And I think he set the record for most wins in the franchise for the, uh, for the Detroit Pistons. I think they won 64 games that, that year when he went there. And then after three years in Detroit, he went to the Washington wizards where he was fired after three years in 2013. Flip was named president of the Timberwolves. And then a year later, in June of 2014, he agreed to become the head coach of the T-Wolves for his second stint of his career. Shortly thereafter, however, Flip was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And unfortunately, a year and a couple months later, in August of 2015, he succumbed to that cancer and passed away. His 427 wins in Timberwolves franchise history are by far the most. And just up until last year when the T-Wolves made the playoffs, he was the only coach to lead the T-Wolves to a winning season or coach them in a playoff game. So it really says a lot about this franchise and how much he meant to them. So it's a really cool story and a really cool moment that his son is now 
going to be the head coach and just hear the emotion, the raw emotion at his press conference, this Ryan Saunders and him talking about his late father and all the people in his lives that have helped him along the way. It's really cool. Take a listen. Uh, I got six uh, incredible women in my life. I want to make sure to acknowledge quick my grandmother um, and then my sisters, uh, Mindy, Rachel, uh, Kim. Uh, You guys are you guys are are what makes makes this worthwhile. my mother, I want to I want to make sure to give you a special thank you for just um, helping me get to get to this point in terms of uh, you've been the rock th- rock for this family in so many ways, and um, you know my, my 38 week uh, pregnant wife Haley, your uh, your goodness inspires me um, to be a better coach and a better person every day, and um, you know this opportunity doesn't come without without you guys. And uh, lastly, I, I need to recognize um, someone who's unable to be here in the physical form. But uh, I know he's here, and he's, he's looking down, and uh, I know he'd say that there's no, no place, place else he'd rather have me get my start in coaching. So I want to um, make sure I acknowledge my dad, Flip, and just uh, thank him for, thank him for um, you know, putting me in this. And Hey, this is me. I mean, uh, it's, it, it happens. Uh, you know, you get emotional over things, but um, that's why this is so, one of the reasons this is so special today. So, yeah, really cool moment, and uh, it, it's... It's really emotional, I'm sure, for him, knowing that his father can't be there to watch him become the man that I'm sure he knows he is. So, yeah, really cool moment there for Ryan Saunders, and I'm sure he's going to do big things. I know when he first took over that Timberwolves locker room, they were really starting to grasp hold of what he was trying to teach them. And they really rallied around their young coach. I think he's only like 34, I want to say. So he's still a very young guy, but he's he seems seasoned and, and a poised coach. And I'm sure he's going to do great things. They've got some great talent. Of course, Carl Anthony Towns is a supreme talent. And of course, they've got some other key role players there. And they're going to try to to build from what they did a year and a half ago. And hopefully, I mean, the West is stacked, so we'll see. Not too many big expectations right now, but we'll take it one step at a time for the Timberwolves. And I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for uh, Ryan Saunders and and his family and to see what what those guys can do. Okay, next up, I want to talk about Tim Connolly. Tim Connolly is the, I believe, president of the Denver Nuggets. And he met with the Washington Wizards about their opening, about running their team. He met with Wizards owner Ted Leonsis on Friday because he has a connection there. He grew up in Baltimore and got his start as an intern in the Wizards basketball operations department. So he knows that team very well. They gave him his first start. But here's the thing. He ends up rejecting the job. And you might say, why? Well, he's got a really good thing going right now in Denver, and he's built a solid team. I mean, they went to seven game seven against the Portland Trailblazers and came up a couple points short of making it to a Western Conference Finals. And his fingerprints are all over this team, from the likes of Jokic to Gary Harris to Jamal Murray. That was all him. That was all Connolly. So he he's going to stay for now. Anyway, he's going to end up staying in Denver. Now, the big news of the week, 
above all else, above the NBA playoffs and all that, besides all that, because obviously that takes precedent, the uh, Magic Johnson, man, he went on first take on Monday. And woo-wee, this is like a lifetime show, a, a soap opera. I don't know what to call it, but this is... They're just spilling tea left and right from Magic to Palenka to back and forth. So this was really interesting. So again, Magic goes on first take. He's talking to Skip and and uh, Max Kellerman and Molly. And he is basically, he goes into everything. They ask him about everything he feels. But he basically goes on to say he feels betrayed and stabbed in the back by Rob Palenka the most. And he goes on to to delve into the Anthony Davis trade with Dell Demps and how he didn't want the players that he was offering up to be leaked, the young players, and then he leaked it. So here's just a, a little bit of, of what Ma- uh, Magic had to say on first take. This is quite interesting. Does Magic Johnson feel betrayed, and if so, by whom? Well, you know, I think if you're going to talk about betrayal, it's only with Rob. But again... I had to look inside myself, right? But I had been doing that for months because I didn't like that Tim Harris was too involved in in basketball. He's supposed to run the Laker business, but he was trying to come over to our side. Jeannie's got to stop that, right? You got to stop people from having those voices, Molly, you talked about. It's too many people at the table. Mm -hmm. And so what happens, everybody gets to share their opinion and and it's so much information coming at her that then when I say, hey, we have to do this. She can't make a decision because they said, no, don't go the way magic go. You should go. Other left people already got right. to her. Exactly. Back mind, yeah. So so her love for those people and respect for those people often caused us to not make the right choice or there's no decision, Max. And so I said, listen, we, you can't run a corporation like this. You can't have everybody think that they can have a voice or opinion about the final decision. That was supposed to be me as the president having that final say. So basically, he feels most betrayed by Rob Palenka. And he did go on to say further that so many people were calling him up and saying you can't trust Palenka, you got to be careful. You can't trust him. And Magic said, okay, well, I'll think about that, but I'm going to make that decision for myself. And I've been working with the guy and he seems like an okay dude and turns out not so much. And then the the flip side of that also, what really drove Magic out was the fact that, and you heard it right there, is that there were too many hands in the cookie jar. There were too many people making the decisions. And in the end, it was supposed to be magic. That's what he thought he was being brought in there to do, that he was going to be the final naysayer, that he was going to make those final decisions. And it didn't turn out to be that way. So he felt that he had to step down because he couldn't do the job that he was brought in to do for the franchise that he loves so much. And then What cracks me up more than anything is that he's doing this. He went on first take on Monday knowing damn well that they're having Frank Vogel's introductory press conference on the same exact day. And what do you think is going to be brought up at this introductory press conference for Frank Vogel? 
Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson. And guess what? The questions were asked. And here you go. Here is Palenka's response to Magic. I think the most important thing for me is the the two years of getting to work side by side with Irvin are some of the greatest memories I have in sports and work. Um, he's an unbelievable person to work with. Uh, he fills the room with joy and vision. Um, and truly, it's, it's, it's saddening and disheartening to think he believes things are a misperception. I think all of us in life probably have been through things where maybe there's third-party whispers or he said, she said things that aren't true. Um, and then I have talked to him several times since he decided to step away. We've had many joy-filled conversations. In fact, two days ago, we were reliving the combine and the fourth pick and talking about the great future that this franchise has. So these things are surprising to hear and disheartening. Um, but I look forward to the opportunity to talk with him and sit down with him and work through them, just like in any relationship, because um, they're just simply not true. I, I stand beside him. I stand with him um, as a colleague, as a partner. Um, I've always supported everything he's done and will continue to. Um, and, you know, I think that's the best way to address that. So this is just a bunch of he said, he said, because Magic says one thing, Palenka's denying it, saying, oh, yeah, we're just, we were just talking and rehashing the memories of, of the combine and, and the draft. And, and I'm, it's like this dude was just on television talking crap about you and saying that you're a backstabber and you're a liar. And it really sounds like a forced comment that Palenka is offering up. And I believe it's almost like he's gritting. He's talking as he's gritting his teeth, like he's just holding back and he doesn't want to say what, how he really feels, which, I mean, granted, he probably is doing the right thing in that moment. But, yeah, I don't believe this is the last we've heard between Rob Palinka, Magic Johnson, and the Lakers front office. I mean, this is going to be a mess. More, th- more is going to come out eventually when Rob Palinka gets forced out with the Lakers because it's only a matter of time. Clearly, he's worn out his welcome, and he probably will be out the door with Frank Vogel. So, yeah, keep that in mind. All right, now let's talk some playoffs. So, by now you know, the Warriors swept the Portland Trailblazers. It wasn't even close. The Warriors did it all without Kevin Durant. And... Headed to the weekend, we had Game 3. The Warriors, I think they were down by 15 or 17 points. They overcame that, come all the way back, and win that one 110-99. to Igudala didn't play. Kevin Durant didn't play. Uh, Excuse me. So that was Game 3. Igudala gets banged up. Then fast forward to Game 4. Igudala is out. Durant out. Durant missed this entire series. The Warriors were in trouble early because Myers Leonard had 25 first half points, but the Warriors kept chipping away, kept chipping away, kept chipping away, forced overtime. Uh, Damian Lillard had a chance to win it at the buzzer, but he missed the layup. It goes to overtime. Draymond Green up one, hits a clutch three-pointer to give them a four-point 
cushion with under a minute left around 45 seconds or so. And the Warriors would go on to win 119 to 117. They are now the first team to play in five straight NBA finals since the Celtics did so in the 60s. And my goodness, in games three and four, Draymond Green was huge. He came up big time. Steph Curry was an absolute monster this entire series. Let me let me go back for you real quick. Give you some numbers. So game one, Steph went for 36, okay? Then in game two, Steph went for 37. 36, then 37. Hard to beat, right? Then in game three, Steph does it again, 36 more points. And on Monday in game four, to get the sweep, Steph goes for 37 yet again. Absolutely ridiculous. If you don't have Kevin Durant, no problem, because you still got Steph Curry, and he's still showing you that he's the best guard in the world, or one of the two best guards in the world. So Draymond Green, in the in Game 4, he was absolutely clutch. He came up huge for them. He had 18 points. 14 rebounds and 11 assists. And I think uh, him and Steph Curry both had, that's correct, they both had triple doubles in that game. And of course, you're not going to win no matter how much Myers Leonard scores or Damian Lillard scores or McCullum scores. And they got the bulk of their points from those three guys. 30 from Leonard, 28 from Lillard, 26 from McCollum. And unfortunately, when Myers Leonard leads the team with 25 points in the first half and then only scores five in the second half, you're going to have a hard time winning that game. And the fact that he led the team with 30 points, yeah, probably not going to win when he's leading your team and scoring. So the Warriors officially headline the NBA Finals for the fifth straight year, and it has already been announced that Kevin Durant will miss the start of the NBA Finals. And right now, I think Steph Curry is saying, you know what, Durant, stay on the sidelines. Don't play this entire series because I'm playing my best basketball of my life right now, and I will carry this team to a championship, and you don't even have to worry. On the other side, on the East Coast, we're in a battle for that second spot in the finals, and it's between the Bucks and the Raptors, right? And I'm not too sure who wants to win this series. The Bucks went up 2-0 early in this series, took a 2-0 lead. They won the two games at home. Then you go to Toronto, and bing, bang, boom, the Raptors tie up the series. Fast forward to Thursday, last night, in Milwaukee, a whole lot of back and forth. And let me preface this real quick, because apparently somewhere in Game 3, Kawhi Leonard hurt his leg on a fast break. And Kyle Lowry is dealing with a sprained thumb or something to that effect on his left hand. So there's been a lot of talk about Kawhi and his injured leg and is he going to play and how's he going to play. And Nick Nurse kept reiterating he's fine, he's fine, he's fine. And then going to game four, he offered him the option to skip the shoot around prior to the game. But Kawhi Leonard was there. He, he showed up to shoot around and he seemed just fine. And he was just fine. He played absolutely perfect beautifully this entire series really so far notched his seventh 35 point game of the playoffs and early on I was actually talking to one of my buddies 
and the Raptors were shooting under 29% for the first half, and they found themselves only down by five. And that's when I knew that the Bucks were in trouble because they were still in this game shooting that poorly. You, all, you knew it was only a matter of time before they felt their stroke and they got things going. And they went to halftime tied or down one or two, something, something to that effect. And they took over in the second half. And they really, it was the fourth quarter. So they, they tied in the third, 26 apiece. And then in the fourth, the Raptors went on a run and they outscored Milwaukee 33 to 24 to win this one, 105 to 99. The Raptors have now rattled off three straight wins to take a commanding three to two series lead as we head to Toronto, to Jurassic Park, as they like to call it there. And Kawhi Leonard can close things out and take the Raptors to the NBA Finals to face off against the Warriors or the Milwaukee Bucks can get things back in order, okay? I don't believe that they're going to cave in any sense of the word. I don't think that they're going to give up because Giannis even said we have to have that mentality where we're not going to give up and we're going to play as a team and we're going to play hard basketball. If we lose, if they lose, so be it. But he doesn't expect that's going to happen. He's going to come out pissed off and they're going to try to force a Game 7 in Milwaukee. And all the while, you've got the Warriors just licking their lips and clapping their hands and saying, oh, you want to go to game seven? You go to game seven. That's fine. Go to game six. We're just over here. We're trying to rest up. We're trying to get Igudala and Durant healthy, and we're just waiting. And they're salivating at the chance to play one of these teams because it's not going to be close, quite frankly. The Warriors are going to get another championship, and it's going to supplant Steph Curry, really, as one of the best of all time. And really, the only blemish was that blown what, 2015 series where they're up 3-1. I still blame Draymond for getting suspended with that technical, but that's another story. So that game will be played tomorrow. The Raptors will look to close out uh, tomorrow night, I think 8.30. Again, I said that game is in Toronto. And just again about this game, it was Kawhi's seventh 35-point game of this playoff season, okay, of this year's playoffs. And why is that significant? Because the only other player to do that before, prior to the NBA Finals is LeBron James, and he did it on three separate occasions. So that is big time. So yeah, Kawhi's leg is just fine. He looked all go. He looked, you know, no no setbacks, no, there was, you know, excuse me, there was no, as I'm watching some highlights from it, but no, there was... There was no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There were no restrictions, thank you. So there were no restrictions. He wasn't limited in any capacity. He wasn't on a minutes restriction, nothing like that. So, yeah, he's going to be a problem. If the Bucks can stop him, then they might have a chance. The Bucks also need to get some better shooting from Chris Middleton, who had an absolutely disastrous game last night. Two of nine, just six points. He was 0 for 2 from 3. Not great. Um, They really didn't shoot well 
really as a team. Um, they were 10 of 31 from beyond from three and the Raptors were 18 of 43. So that was really the big difference. And Fred Van Vliet, my God, this guy was a godsend for them last night. He played 37 minutes, put up 21 points on seven of nine from three, made nothing but three pointers. He was clutch money and he was a huge part of the reason why they were able to steal Game 6 in Milwaukee. And let's talk real quick about Drake, because Drake has been a topic of discussion throughout this series. He He's getting a little close to, to uh, the Raptors' bench. Mike Budenholzer didn't like it. He said it's, there's, no, there's no business for it. Uh, he was actually in one of the timeouts, or, or the cameras caught Drake, He's always looking for the cameras, but he was actually massaging Nick Nurse's uh, shoulders at one point, and it's like, really, Drake, you're a fan just like anybody else. Sit down. And then, of course, their trolling has begun with him and the Bucks co- co-owner's daughter, where he uh, switched his his profile picture to hers. It's just a whole big mess. And uh, actually, Gucci Mane was at the game last night. We had a couple of Packers um, football players there. And Aaron Rodgers and uh, one of the O-linemen, was it Bakhtiar, somebody, and they actually had a, uh, they had a chug off, basically, he was just, Bakhtiari was chugging like three and four beers, and then Aaron Rodgers was like, hold up, I could do that too, and then he tries and he doesn't even chug one, it was funny, but anyway, I digress, so yes, game six will be tomorrow night in Toronto, so uh, we'll see if Kawhi, Lowry, those boys can close it out. Now, next up, I want to talk about the NBA. They've announced their their all NBA rookie teams and all NBA teams. So we'll start with the rookie team, uh, Trey Young and Luka Doncic. It's going to be interesting to see which one of those two wins rookie of the year, but they were unanimous picks to the all rookie team. Really no surprise there. Then to round out those five, we had DeAndre Ayton, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Marvin Bagley III. It's actually funny, and it's worth noting, that those five players that made first-team all-rookie, they were the first five picks in the NBA draft. So, wow. That goes to show you the first five picks truly were the the, the five best players of that rookie class. Okay, let's start with the all NBA first team now. And it's very these are very interesting. I was a little bit shocked at some of the names on here uh, on these teams, but let's start with first team. You have James Harden and Steph Curry at the guard positions. Then you had Giannis and Paul George as the two forwards and uh Jokic at the center position. That's your first team. Second team, you had Damian Lillard, Kyrie Irving, Durant, Kawhi, and Joel Embiid. And then the third team was Russell Westbrook, Kemba Walker, Blake Griffin, LeBron James, and Rudy Gobert. This is very, very interesting. And I'll tell you what. So there was a tweet that went out. And basically, when you become a free agent, your signing bonus or what you can are eligible to to sign for as ter- in terms of max money is based on I bu- I guess it's based on how, if you make one of these uh, first second or third team All NBAs. So for a guy like Damian Lillard, he because he made second team All NBA, he's now eligible 
for a four-year, $191 million extension this summer. And then Kemba Walker, surprisingly, who made the third team over Clay Thompson. I'll get into that in a second. He's now eligible, is Kemba, to sign a five-year, $221 million deal as a free agent July 1st. And Bradley Beal and Clay Thompson were both snubbed, and they are going to be big-time free agents as well. So very tough. Clay Thompson, I think he deserved it over Kemba Walker. He's had a terrific season. And he's one of the most consistent players that around. And so he, this is funny because he found out while being, while talking to reporters, they actually alerted him to that. And he's like, oh, it already came. So here, here's a clip of that. And you'll see his reaction in real time. And he actually does a little eye roll. And cause he just realizes he lost out on $30 million in extra money that he could have potentially had. Would he have made one of these first, second, or third team All NBAs? So take a listen. Clearly, made the All NBA team, which would have elevated your potential. Oh, I did. They already came out. Yeah, it came out today. You were like uh, right behind Beal. We got, or no, no, right behind about third team. But you, you barely, yeah, Kemba. Kemba got it. Uh, you were a couple. I mean, that's cool and all, but like when you go to five straight finals. I, I, I respect those guys, but holy, when you go to five straight, I mean, it takes more than just a couple of NBA guys. It's like all-time team, but whatever. That's not. I'd rather win a championship than be 13 on NBA. So it's all good. Do you, you not? Do you not like that that, that affects potential contract statuses? You know, all NBA stuff because that would have elevated you. Yeah. It's it is what it is. You know, I can't control it. Uh, do I think there's that many guards better than me in the league? No, but that's the reason why we're still playing. So I don't even want to get into it, honestly. So yeah, really, Clay is trying to bite his tongue there. He's not very happy, and I'll be the first to admit it. I don't like the fact that this affects contracts because that's ridiculous. He's absolutely right. They're going to their fifth straight NBA Finals, and he plays a huge part in that. He is half of... The Splash Brothers, he's one half of that. It's Steph Curry and him. They don't get to all these NBA Finals without Klay Thompson, and he deserves max money, whether it is to stay with the Warriors or if he's going to venture out on his own to the Lakers, the Clippers, or elsewhere. It's absolutely ridiculous that that affects that because I don't know exactly how they determined that Kemba Walker was better and more deserving than Klay Thompson to be on there. And it's ridiculous. And it could be the potential reason that Klay Thompson decides to leave the Warriors because he's overshadowed too much by Steph Curry. And I would not fault him in the slightest if he chose to leave. That's his prerogative. That's fine. He's going to really go where he can get the most money, of course. But wow. So then... Let's talk All-NBA defensive team. That was announced. You had Giannis, Paul George, Bledsoe, Eric Bledsoe, Marcus Smart, and Rudy Gobert. Giannis and Paul George are also finalists for MVP, so they could potentially be MVP and defensive player of the year. I'm surprised. I, I knew Paul George had a great season. I didn't realize it was this great that it would warrant him making first-team All-NBA and defensive team. Like I, I was an MVP finalist with James Harden. I, I was slightly surprised by that, but I guess he did have a great season. So um, 
It's also notable that I believe it's the first time in 11 years that LeBron didn't make first team All-NBA. He was on that third team, as you heard me rattle that off a few minutes ago. Okay, last but not least on the NBA side of things, um, really not much of an NBA thing, but Michigan, University of Michigan, they had a head coaching vacancy as John Beeline decided to leave for the NBA to, to coach the Cavaliers. So the Wolverines have decided to hire former player and Heat assistant coach Jawan Howard. So everyone knows Howard from his Fab Five days. He played for Michigan from 91 to 94. He then went on to play 19 seasons in the NBA where he won titles with the Heat in 2012 and 2013. And ever since then, he has served as an assistant coach for the Heat. I believe he's 46. So really cool for um, for him and for Michigan to hire um, a former player, really. Should be bring big things to the Big Ten and to Michigan. All right, real quick, let's talk PGA Championship. It was no contest for Brooks Kepka. He led wire to wire, and Joey Bags actually owes me 20 bucks because I told him that Kepka was going to remain in the lead and hold on to the lead and win the tournament because. He is incredible in these majors, and he won the PGA last year, and when he had such a, he had a seven-stroke lead at one point. Granted, he faltered big time down the stretch on Sunday, and he almost blew it. Dustin Johnson got to within one, it was, it was minus eight for Kepka and Minus seven for Dustin Johnson, I believe, or nine and eight. And then DJ bogeyed the final or two out of three of the final holes or the final two holes. And Kepka was able to hold on for the win. So, yeah, it's I mean, it's his it's Kepka's now fourth major victory in in the last in the past 24 months. He's really done some special stuff there. Uh, and I mean, he has really come onto the scene. You know, we all saw him last year, what he was able to do with, um, you know, he's really uh, an aberration. He's a really ja- he's a jacked guy. He's in his late 20s, but he's one of those jacked guys that that can you know he he's been really something special he was he graced the he did the um the sports illustrated um edition where um where they the nude edition whatever you call it um and then he was real self-conscious about that so he decided to either bulk up or what whatever it was and then earlier in the year or in uh 2018 he was really struggling and he lost about 20 yards on his sh- on his shot and he had to really work to get back into form and we saw what he did at the masters in which uh tiger won he was right there in the mix didn't win it but then coming into the PGA he smoked everybody and to put this into perspective beth page black how difficult of a hor- of a course it is just six golfers carded under par for the for the tournament there was only six in the end that were were either minus one or or better so yeah wow um i'm trying to find i know there was a stat here 
yeah, here we go. The last, so the last time the PGA champ winner went wire to wire, Michael Jordan was entering his junior season at North Carolina. It has, it had been that long until Kepka just did it this week. The fifth wire to wire winner in the event's history. So he becomes the fifth ever to do that. We go back to 1964 where Bobby Nichols did it. Then Jack did it in 71. Raymond Floyd in 82. Hal Sutton in 83. And now in 2019, Brooks Kepka becomes your fifth wire-to-wire champion with no ties. So yeah, wow. Okay, let's switch it up. Talk Preakness. The Preakness Stakes. All right. I did not pick the horse that would win. That went to War of Will. I was an idiot, and for the second straight time, I thought improbable would bounce back and get the victory. But no, of course, it's War of Will that gets the victory. Uh, six to one odds racing out of gate number one. Now, it's funny because Maximum Security was not in this race, of course, and War of Will was the horse in this Kentucky Derby that Maximum Security bumped and sort of cut off. So with no Maximum Security to cut him off, War of Will was able to take the title and win the Preakness. But really, all anybody was talking about was Bodie Express, who within the first seconds, as soon as the gates opened and the horses were off, Bodie Express completely threw its jockey off of it off of its back and then continued to race with no jockey. It was unbelievable. I hadn't personally never seen anything like it. I was trying to make sure the jockey was okay, which he was. Looked more disappointed than anything, but that horseman just kept chugging along, chugging along, and then of course the problem was trying to stop it at the end because the horse didn't know when to stop, so they had to try to corral it. But wow, that was a wild scene, and uh, yeah, so War of Will wins the 144th Preakness Stakes. All right, let's switch gears and talk NFL. Started off with Chris Long. The Eagles defensive end has decided to call it quits. He has retired. He played 11 seasons, mostly for the Rams, who selected him second overall in the 2008 draft. And so Saturday night, he basically posted a picture of him holding a red solo cup and the mountains were in the background. And he said, cheers, been a hell of a journey, 11 years. And I can honestly say I put my soul into every minute of it. Highs and lows, I've seen them both and I appreciate the perspective. Gratitude and love to those who lifted me up. So Chris Long played, again, 11 seasons. He finally got a couple Super Bowls in back-to-back years, I believe, in 2016 and 2017 with the Patriots and then with the Eagles. Overall, he recorded 333 total tackles and had one touchdown in his career And he was also named Walter Payton Man of the Year after the 2018 season, honoring his work with multiple charities throughout his career. So congrats on an early retirement. 34 years old. Must be nice. Okay, let's talk about the Redskins. Man, they cannot escape the injury bug. They're like the Yankees in the NFL. They've had more injuries than any other team in in recent years, and It happened again. Reuben Foster this time at OTAs. Reuben Foster 
has been the centerpiece of the attention since November when the 49ers released him after the domestic the domestic situation the domestic battery that he was accused of at a team hotel in Florida prior to a game against the Bucks then the the um the Redskins claimed him immediately off waivers and everybody was shocked and they said how could you do this well they were just they were claiming him they wanted to wait until an investigation took place, and if he was cleared, then so be it, because he is a guy that had a lot of run-ins before with domestic issues, and it turns out that he was he was excused of these charges because I believe his girlfriend at the time or the his significant other, whatever, dropped the charges or claimed that she made it up, whatever the case was. So he was cleared, and now he was set to play for the Redskins this year. Well, he it was what like the third play into into practice and it was his left knee turns out it's a torn ACL they had to cart him off air cast him there's also believed to be other substantial damage to his knee besides his ACL I'm hearing arterial damage I don't know how true that is but they're definitely saying there's other damage besides an ACL tear so it is a significant injury. So that's a big blow for the Bucks. I mean for the Redskins. Okay, the Bucks, I got a bit ahead of myself. The Tampa Bay Bucks they didn't waste much time. They decided to release defensive tackle Gerald McCoy after 9 seasons. Basically what this came down to for new head coach Bruce Arians was $13 million in salary that he was owed for 2019. Bruce tried to make it that he he questioned his basically his his you know his will whether he really wanted to play for the Bucks or not. I that's a load of crap. It came down to that 13 million. So Gerald McCoy, he's gonna go down in Bucks history as one of their best defensive players ever. Six-time Pro Bowler. He will now hit free agency at a good time because there really aren't many talented players on the market. He was the I want to say third overall pick back in the 2010 draft and had a total of 54 and a half sacks in his Bucks career. So I did see he has announced his first visit as a free agent. It will be with the Cleveland Browns. So um, yeah, I'm sure they'd be eager to sign him. And then one day later, again, the Bucks did not waste much time. They quickly signed Ndamukong Su to a one-year deal to replace Gerald McCoy. So not too shabby. Get rid of one great player and add another. It is interesting to note that this will be Ndamukong Su's third team in as many years. He cited new defensive coordinator Todd Bowles as a big part of the reason why he wanted to come to the Bucks, And I'm going to call BS on that because I think that Sue had a chance to come play for the Jets last offseason, and he chose to pass on that opportunity. Well, Todd Bowles was the head coach of the Jets then, so why did you pass on the Jets then? You know, why did you pass on Bowles then if you're going to cite him as a reason why you came to the Bucks? I don't know. Just seems a little weird. Julian Edelman re-signed with the Patriots. They agreed to a multi-year deal that will basically keep him in New England for the remainder of his career. Of course, he was Super Bowl MVP a few months ago after catching 10 balls for 141 yards. And Tom Brady has his security blanket back, so I'm sure they're all happy in New England. Here's a bizarre one, guys. Tyron Matthew, the all-pro safety now of the Kansas City Chiefs, he was dealing with an extortion situation. He had an extortion um, 
situation on his hands from a family member, nonetheless. Be Watch out. When you start making them big bucks, man, your family is the first ones you got to be on the lookout for. They're the savages that are going to come for you. So what happened was he has an unknown relative that they're not mentioning that was trying to extort him for many millions of dollars. They reportedly threatened to go to the media with sexual assault accusations and were going to tell his uh, and were telling his family member that he would kill them. All right. Basically. So I, from what from what I gather from this, OK, um, I'm trying to see here. It seems as though that this family member threatened to go to the media with sexual assault accusations. And. That, and then maybe Tyron Matthew was threatening to kill him if he didn't um, end this. I don't know. It, it, the wording is a little is a little speculative on this. So basically, they wanted one from anywhere from one point five million to five million dollars, or they were going to go public with these text messages. There were threatening texts and phone calls apparently between the two. Well, reps for Tyron Matthew are claiming that the relative has mental health struggles. Whether that's true or not, I don't know if we'll ever know. But it's just, again, it's just a really bizarre story. And it's funny because the Chiefs, man, they have just been surrounding themselves with, on the, well, on the wrong side of things, just a lot of bizarre, bad stories between Kareem Hunt, uh, Tyreek Hill, and now this with, with uh, Tyron Matthew, just very crazy couple of you know months for the Chiefs. Um, and then the Cleveland Browns, once again, I'll, I'll mention them. The Well, Cleveland, the city of Cleveland has been awarded the 2021 NFL draft, so they will host that. Of course, we just had the draft a month ago in Nashville, and that turned out to be really cool. 2020, next year's draft, it was already announced, will be in Vegas. No idea where they're going to host the 2022 draft but 2023 it has been announced will be in kansas city just bring it back to new york already i i miss that i never got to go myself but if they bring it back to new york i would love to go um and then finally guys last couple note things to note here on the nfl side of things jim kelly man this is really cool jim kelly's most recent cancer scans came back and he is free of cancer Hopefully for good this time, because we all know his battle with oral cancer has been widely publicized. Back in 2018, he announced that his cancer had returned. So in March, I think March 28th of 2018, he ended up undergoing a 12-hour brutal surgery in which doctors removed the oral cancer and had to rebuild his upper jaw. I mean, he's been through so much chemo and so much so many surgeries that Jim Kelly is almost unrecognizable. He's he has trouble speaking now, but I mean it's all well worth it for a guy that is now able to say that he's cancer free and hopefully can go on and live the rest of his life with his family because I know he's got I think three daughters and his beautiful wife of course, but just it's tough because it's the th- it's been the thir- three times in the past five years that he's been faced with a cancer fight. And man, he is a fighter for sure because 
He does not give up, man. This guy, some people would have given up by now, so I gotta give it to him. This guy does not quit. He will undergo whatever surgeries, chemo, whatever it needs, whatever he needs to undergo to fight this. He's been doing it, so good for him. And then finally, Pac-Man Jones has officially announced his retirement. So yeah, a guy that we thought would never last this long in the NFL between all of the shenanigans, the shootings outside of strip clubs and nightclubs. And in his first two years in the league, I believe, he was interviewed by police like 10 different times. Just absurd. So yeah, he officially announces his retirement. I think played a little bit for the Broncos last season. All right, let's talk college football really fast. DeAndre Francois is going to join Florida Atlantic and Lane Kiffin. Of course, he is the former... Florida State quarterback started there for the past two years, uh, but really started to wear out his welcome and then got benched. Well, he was dismissed from the program after his girlfriend posted a disturbing video of a man and woman fighting. He's presumed to be the man in this video threatening to assault the woman that was in this video. So yeah, now he will join Lane Kiffin and Florida Atlantic. And I got to say, this is actually a good spot for him. And Lane Kiffin is an NFL guy. He's got big-time experience, and I think this will be a a good landing spot. I think he will be able to turn his college career around, and we'll we'll see what what he makes of it. But this is definitely a, a second chance that he might want to uh, not screw up. All right, let's talk baseball. Really not too much to talk about. A lot of Yankees and Mets stuff. I, I don't want to bash the Mets too much, so I'm going to give them some love this episode. So on, well, we'll start with the bad stuff first. Let's, let's just preface that there. So the Mets over the weekend, last weekend, they had a three game set against the Marlins and everybody by now knows that Mickey Calloway is on the hot seat. They go into Miami, this series with Miami. They lose the first game. All right. They lose the second game. Wow. Wow. And bing, bang, boom, they lose the third game. They got swept by the 10-31 and 31 Miami Marlins, who could possibly go down in history as the worst team ever. And they got swept. It's almost unthinkable. They were swept when they had DeGrom and Syndergaard on the mound. They also were two-hit in back-to-back games for the two-hit shutouts in back-to-back games for the first time since, like, the 1960s. Absolute rock bottom for the Mets. So Monday, Brody Van Wagenen was talking to the media, okay, and this is where we all thought, is, it, is he going to fire Mickey Callaway? Well, it gets a lot stranger than that. He did end up endorsing Callaway, but guess what he did? He started talking about a player named Ioannis Cespedes, who hasn't played for this team all year, of course, recovering from heel surgery. I think he had surgery on both of his heels. It was an absolute awful re-signing when they, when they signed Cespedes again, but they really had no choice at the time. So here's what happened. Let me just get right to it. Uh, Brody says that Cespedes had an accident at his ranch in Florida and he broke his ankle. So 
whether he was going to come back this year or not, not too sure. But now it's official. He's definitely not coming back this year. And here's what Brody had to say on this. Here's what Brody had to say on this. Hard to predict what the what the future is. We need to get more information from the doctors. Um, from from what the what the player communicated to us is that he was on his ranch um, and he had a violent fall. <coughs> excuse me, violent fall um, in which he stepped in a hole and, and twisted and, and put his leg and foot in a difficult position. I'm calling BS. My I'm, I guarantee you, this fool fell off a horse and broke his damn ankle. He ain't stepping no hole and fall down. Come on. No way. But this just highlights the ineptitude that is the New York Mets, as if things can't get any worse. They always seem to. Just five and a half games out, but it just out of first place, but it always just seems way worse than that. It feels like they're 20 games back. And to make matters worse, the B squad that is the New York Yankees with all their injuries keeps chugging along the little engine that could, keeps winning and winning and winning. But again, I'm not here to bash the Mets because things did get better. After that sweep at the hands of the Marlins, they endorsed Brody, endorsed Mickey Calloway as their manager. They had a four-game series against the Nationals. Again, just five and a half games back in first place. And what did they do but sweep the Nats in four games? They took all four from the Nats. And really, the theme of that series was the eighth inning. They had a couple miraculous eighth inning comebacks. So they're now one game under 500 and just four and a half back of the first place Philly. So all is not lost if you're a New York Mets fan. All right. So here's what happened. On Tuesday, they rallied and walked it off on an Ahmed Rosario ground ball to short. Trey Turner, I'm not too sure what you were doing. He backed off the the hard chopper, and by the time he threw the first, Rosario beat it out, walk off, game over. After, Familia did blow it in the eighth and gave up two runs. Okay. Then on Wednesday night, this is kind of cool and bizarre, the Mets called up Rajay Davis, who was playing with their AAA affiliate, the Syracuse Mets, in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. So he finds out that he's getting the call up from his AAA coach. And he's like, are you serious? Oh my God. So he showers quickly, calls an Uber to trek 112 miles to City Field. He gets, it takes him two hours and the Uber costs about $234. He didn't even arrive until the third inning after he got lost and had to ask people where to go. Mickey Calloway didn't even see him until the fifth inning. Then he throws him in there in the eighth inning, and Rajay Davis hits a mammoth three-run homer, and the Mets rally in a huge way in that in that eighth inning. And I believe they won. They ended up winning that. They put. I think they put up six in the inning and were able to win that one. Okay. Uh, yeah, they were down one nothing. They rallied for six, would go on to win six to one. And prior to that game, that was what did I say? Tuesday night's game, right? The Mets had been 0 23 this season when trailing after seven innings, so they're able to get it done. Okay, fast forward to yesterday. The Mets trailing four to three in the eighth. Carlos Gomez, another guy uh, recently acquired, brought up. He hits a three run shot to put the Mets on top for good when they were trailing 4-3. They go on to win that game. 
So that's the good for the Mets. They're now one game under 500 and four and a half back of the Phillies. The bad news is they put Robinson Cano and Jeff McNeil on the IL. Cano has a low-grade left quad strain, and McNeil is apparently dealing with left hamstring tightness. Those were both 10-day IL jobs. I don't know if they're going to be out longer or not. Cano has been at the center of attention lately because of his lack there, his lack of hustle. He apparently hit a slow dribbler back to the catcher and didn't realize there was only one out, didn't run it out, got doubled up. He claims that the scoreboard said there were two outs. And so then on Wednesday, he apparently hurt himself and now he's on the IL. So not been a great season so far for Robinson Cano with the Mets. Okay, speaking of injuries, the Yankees are absolutely no stranger to injuries. They know a thing or two about them this year, and I'm starting to really get concerned because I don't know if we're ever going to see John Carlos Stanton again this year. He's on a rehab stint, okay? He's very close, apparently, to returning to the lineup. And then he gets hurt yet again. So this happened Wednesday. The team ends up announcing that he's dealing with a mild left calf strain, which it doesn't seem to be all that serious, thank God. But apparently, this came during a rehab stint with the Tampa Tarpons, where he was hit by a pitch on the knee or about in or around the knee area. And so now he will be shut down for the next 7 to 10 days. So probably another month at least before we see Stanton. And so then, to get even worse, CC Sabathia also just placed on the IL yesterday with right knee inflammation. He pitched Wednesday, I think, got the win, actually. And he did hint that that was a possibility. So again, he's dealt with the knee for years now. And yeah, he makes the 14th Yankee to hit the IL this season. But like I said, it doesn't seem to matter for this franchise because they took two out of three from the first place Rays and they swept the Baltimore Orioles, who, God, forget the Marlins. The Orioles might be the worst team in baseball. Um, They have now given up the Orioles 100 home runs in just 48 games. Glaber Torres and Gary Sanchez have 10 home runs and 9 home runs, respectively, against the Orioles this year, and we're still only in May. The previous record, ladies and gentlemen, for home runs given up was 57 games by the 2000 Royals. They gave up 100 home runs in 57 games. The Orioles just did it in 9 fewer games. It's mind-boggling how bad their pitching it seems to be. And if you look at this, the full perspective, the O's are on pace to give up 338 home runs. That would by far destroy the 2016 mark of 258 that the Cincinnati Reds set. Just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Okay, last couple of things I wanted to point out and the NHL side of things. We have our matchup in the Stanley Cup finals. It is going to be the Boston Bruins who swept the Hurricanes. We all knew that. And the St. Louis Blues got it done. They beat the Sharks in six, I believe. Uh, They won, yeah, game six, five to one to make it to the Western Conference, uh, excuse me, to make it to the Stanley Cup finals. 
This is unbelievable. Just back in January, the Blues were the worst team in the league. And now they have gone from worst to basically first as they are in the Stanley Cup Finals. Unbelievable. And I think that series will get started on Monday. And this will also, it's worth noting that this is the first Stanley Cup Finals appearance in 49 years for the Blues. The last time they were in the finals, they faced those same Boston Bruins. So that should be really, really fun to watch. And then finally, on this date in sports, guys, we take it back to May 24th, 2013, Eastern Conference Finals, in which Paul George absolutely crosses over LeBron and dunks on Birdman. Take a listen to this. Comes George, got the step and stops. What a move! It counts on the foul. He beat LeBron James with that quick step. A sensational move by Paul George. We are seeing a superstar in the making here with Paul George. Gets the step on LeBron James. The Birdman is just a little bit late, rotating over, and click, click. Birdman, this is your Kodak moment. Yeah. Um, wow. That was some Eastern Conference Finals. I remember the Pacers, man. They took them toe-to-toe. And it's funny because Reggie Miller says right there, we are witnessing stardom in Paul George. And he was not wrong because we just found out that Paul George was named first-team All-NBA, first-team def- first, uh team all defensive team and he's also an MVP finalist so yes he has blossomed into one heck of a player and one last thing I did want to say uh for uh, on the baseball side I think a little bit of history tonight I missed this Craig Biggio obviously hall of famer 3,000 hits great player his son is being promoted to the Blue Jays ahead of tonight's game Kavan Biggio is is Craig's son. Why is this important? Because it's now going to be the first time that two Hall of Fame players' sons will play for the same team. So we have Vlad Guerrero Jr. and now Kavan Biggio. They are going to be teammates tonight and play in the same game of two Hall of Fame fathers. So this was the first time the two sons of Hall of Famers are MLB teammates. That's pretty cool. And then keep an eye on the Minnesota Twins because they are continuing to hit home runs at a ridiculous pace. And in general, I'm sorry, the balls are juiced. They are absolutely juiced this year. Balls are flying out of the stadium left and right. It's unbelievable. But the Twins, they hit eight home runs yesterday for for the second time this season and the third time in team history, which is unbelievable. They've done it twice in one season, only once ever before. They've already hit six-plus home runs in a game four times this season. Only two other teams did that, the 77 and 2003 Red Sox and the 2000 Astros had ever done this before this season, and the Twins have played just 49 games. So, yeah, it's obvious the baseballs are juiced. And we're going to continue to see balls fly out of the stadium. So with that being said, guys, I want to once again, thank you for tuning in on this Memorial Day weekend. I hope you enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy those of you that had off today. 
Um, I want to also thank everyone who wished me a happy birthday. My birthday was on Tuesday, so thank you for that. Okay, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. I will see you all next week, but this has been a fun, awesome-filled one-year anniversary episode. We will see if the Raptors can close it out this weekend. We've got some baseball on tonight. Um, A lot going on, so it's going to be a fun weekend. Hopefully the weather keeps up. Too much rain lately. But okay, guys, I will see you guys in one week. Pody out.